بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on نهج البلاغة by Mizan Institute ثم أسكن سبحانه آدم دارا أرغد فيها عيشه وآمن فيها محلته وحذره إبليس وعداوته Continuing with the story of Adam السلام we learned of the test that was failed by Iblis. Iblis was tested in regards to Adam and prostration to Adam, and he failed that test. So now we want to speak of, or the Imam wants to speak of another test that was failed, and that is the test that was failed from Adam salam. There are some details here that we'll, we'll speak about, of course, what kind of test this was, what kind of command it was by God, and so on. But all in all, um, you can say that Adam did not succeed and did not pass a test that was given to him. So uh, Iblis failed a test and Adam also kind of, you can say, failed a test. And we'll talk about what the Quran says in that regard as well. It's a, it's, it's a sad story, kind of, I would say that because um, in the end, Adam, of course, is upset. He's regretful. We'll get to those details, inshallah. So before before starting and before getting into the this part of the khutbah, the actual words of the Imam salam, I do want to explain one little thing here uh, that we read the story of Adam failing the test and uh, getting close to the tree, the forbidden fruit, if if you want to call it that as well, and uh, eventually being kicked out, so to speak, of the paradise that he was in, the jannah that he was in. We'll talk about that as well, uh, whether it was a garden or it was Jannah, the, the, the Jannah with a capital J or not. Um, we, we read this story and we get the feeling sometimes, especially the younger ones, they feel like, oh wow, so we are paying the price of a mistake that Adam salam made. He made a mistake, he caused all of us to be kicked out of that Jannah or else we would have all still been in that Jannah. And to address this, um, there's different things that can be said. I just want to keep it short that we have to understand that this idea is not a very accurate one. That everything revolved around Adam and because he messed up, so to speak, uh, we all have to pay the price. That's not the case and uh, our scholars have pointed out that um, Adam was supposed to be on this earth and all of the tests that come with it. And theologically speaking, philosophically speaking, we if we want to attain ultimate perfection, inshallah, that can only happen through coming to this material world and all of the hardships that we have in this material world. Uh, so this idea is not going to be correct that, oh, we're paying the price of Adam, the mistake of Adam, or else we would have stayed in paradise, you know. That, that's, that's not a very accurate way of looking at it. Uh, the Quran in Surah Baqarah verse 30 says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the angels, fil ardi khalifa. I am going to set someone on the earth that is going to be my vicegerent, that's going to be my khalifa, my representative. That itself has its own discussion and its own in tafsir, of course. But all in all, we understand from this verse that the plan was that Allah was going to set on this planet earth uh, a vicegerent, and that is going to be Adam alayhi salam. It's going to start with Adam alayhi salam. 
Now someone might ask, well, why is there a need for Adam to first go to that Jannah and then come to the earth? Um, whether that Jannah was somewhere on earth or whether it was somewhere in the skies, wherever it is, that, as I said, we'll discuss later. Um, why is there a need for him to go through that first and then come here? And when we read the story of Adam, what we find is that uh, some and some scholars have pointed this out. It, it seems that this was an experience that Adam had to go through and to gain certain knowledge and cognition because of and, and as a result of that story and experience that he has. We have this idea with our uh, with other prophets as well, like for example, Prophet Musa salam and his encounter with Khidr salam that the Quran speaks of in Surah Al-Kahf. Uh, verses 60 onwards in that story Musa he learns big lessons three lessons to be exact according to the Quran at least from Khidr and uh, our scholars have pointed out that that was an experience he had to go through before becoming prophet so that um, this experience can help him in whatever he, it is that he's going to be doing as a prophet moving forward that is one of the uh, I would say, main viewpoints in regards to that story. So here also, Adam salam, he has to go through an experience. And it's interesting how the Qur'an keeps relating this experience to us, this story to us, as if this was a, the, the lesson learned and taken from this experience wasn't just for Adam. It's for all of us. It's for us to keep walking on our tippy toes when we're living in this dunya and on this earth and not get too comfortable and bring our guard down when it comes to um, confronting shaitan and going against what he tells us to do and what he suggests to us and whispers to us. And what is that experience exactly that he had to go through and take lesson from? It's him dealing with Iblis or shaitan now he's called and uh, learning what kind of enemy this person is to him and how much damage he can actually inflict on Adam and his progeny. And so this was an experience that Adam had to go through and man did he learn his lesson um, and so we are told to also take heed and to take lesson from that story okay so having um, said that little introduction let's move into the actual khutbah it says thumma askana subhanahu adama daran argada fiha aishahu so then after the whole story of the prostration and shaitan failing his test it says Allah put Adam alayhi salam and inhabited Adam in a house where he made his life pleasant and abundant and his stay safe. Argada fiha aishahu means it was abundant and it was pleasant. Um, that's one aspect. But sometimes you have an abundant life. You have a pleasant life. Everything is set, but you don't feel safe. There's a chance you might lose it all. It says that no, Allah gave him safety as well in where he was staying. Amana fiha mahallatahu. So two things here, two blessings. Number one, Argada Aishahu Amana Mahallatahu. Safety and abundance and, and, and it being a pleasant life that he was having. So everything's set for him. Everything is going well. And here when it says Argada Fiya Aishahu, Argada comes from the same root that a verse of the Quran also uses to explain and describe how Adam salam was living um, in that area, wherever it was that Allah had put him. وَقُلْنَا يَا آدَمُ اسْكُنْ أَنْتَ وَزَوْجُكَ الْجَنَّةِ وَكُلَا مِنْهَا رَغَدًا حَيْثُ شِئْتُمَا The Qur'an in Surah Baqarah verse 35 it says that we told Adam to, to live, him and his wife, to live in 
and to inhabit the Jannah. The Jannah is referring to a specific garden, a specific place, and to eat from it ragadan, abundantly and pleasantly, uh, any way that you like. Of course, there was one exception to all of this, and that was to not get close to that forbidden tree, which they did get close to, unfortunately. The khutbah goes on now. Ali ibn Abi Talib he says here, On one hand, Allah gave them everything, but on the other hand, he said, he warned them of shaitan and his animosity. He cautioned him of Iblis and his enmity, it says in the translation. Okay, فَقُلْنَا And then this is also part of the Qur'an. This is all echoing what the Qur'an says. This part of These parts of the khutbah that we're reading right now are just echoing verses of the Qur'an. The Qur'an says, um, in Surah 117, or excuse me, Surah Taha, verse 117, فَقُلْنَا يَا آدَمُ إِنَّ هَذَا عَدُوٌ لَكَ وَلِزَوْجِكَ فَلَا يُخْرِجَنَّكُمَا مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ فَتَشْقَى O Adam, we told him, O Adam, this Iblis, this Shaytan, is an enemy for you and your wife, for you and Hawa. فَلَا يُخْرِجَنَّكُمَا مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ Don't let him get you kicked out of this Jannah, this area that you're in, this little paradise that you're in, this garden that you're in. And if you do, فَتَشْقَى You'll be miserable, according to some translations. Other translations might say, you will be tired and fatigued. Why? Because if you have to leave this garden, you're going to have to do your work yourself. You're going to have to break sweat. You're going to have to bring bread to the table. فَاغْتَرَّهُ عَدُوُّهُ نَفَاسَةً عَلَيْهِ بِدَارِ الْمُقَامِ وَمُرَافَقَةِ الْأَبْرَارِ The khutbah continues. It says that, but what happened was that he, Iblis, envied this abiding in paradise of Adam. And so what he did was, and he was upset that Adam was in contact with the virtuous ones, the great ones, which is the angels, according to different commentaries I checked here. So two things here are getting on shaitan's nerves. The fact that Adam is living in a place of abundance in, in, in that garden, in that Jannah. Now some have said here that uh, it says Darul Muqam, a place of eternity. Um, that's how they've translated it. There are some issues with that, in my opinion. But uh, whatever you take it as, we know what it's referring to here. It's referring to that garden. So he had an issue with Adam. He envied the fact that Adam is living here. This Adam that caused Shaytan to fail his test, and this Adam that Shaytan feels he understands how weak this individual, this creation of God is, this guy is causing shaitan to be jealous and envy him. Why? For two reasons. One, how dare you still be in a place of of um, pleasure? And being and number two, being in touch with the virtuous ones, the abrar, the great ones. Who are they? As I said, commentators have said here that it was the angels. How dare you, you little weakling, you insignificant creation of God that's created from, from clay, be in such a place and be in contact with such beings? Okay, and me getting kicked out of all of whatever I was in, so you don't deserve to be here either. I have to get you out of here. This is how this it seems. This is what what's going through Shaytan's mind in those moments. So it says that Iblis was able to fool him. Iqtarrahu, Iqtarrahu, he fooled him because of this envy and jealousy. 
Now here the Imam doesn't go into the details of how this took place, how Shaytan was able to fool Adam السلام, and Hawa, his, uh, his wife. But all in all, we know that this happened. Now the Imam points something out here. And these are the lessons that we have to take from this story. Number one and number two. Number one, Ba'al Yaqeena Bishakkihi. So what did Adam do? He traded his Yaqeen for Shak. Which Yaqeen is this? The Yaqeen of what he was in. He had conviction. He knew that, okay, as long as the, Allah didn't set a deadline for my stay in this garden, right? Allah never told him, I'm going to put you in there for this amount of time. He said, you're, you're here. He just said, don't get close to that tree because then you're going to regret it. But all in all, there was no uh, uh, expiration date to this day of Adam السلام, in that garden. And there was no expiration date for being with those he was with, of the virtuous, of the abrar. So he had this yaqeen that I'm going to have all of this as long as I exist. Okay, He had a yaqeen like that. The promise of his Lord, he had conviction in, he had yaqeen and certainty in. What did he do, he do though? Well, shaitan comes, promises his, promise his, him something, offers him something. And Adam, if you were to ask Adam in that moment, okay, Shaitan is offering you something here. Do you have certainty and conviction in what Shaitan is offering you? He probably would have said, no, I'm not 100% sure, but there's a chance he's telling the truth. Especially since in some of the accounts, and we do have this in Quran as, as well, it says, Qasamahuma, that Shaitan began to swear and promise Adam السلام, that this is, this is what you're going to get out of this tree if you go to it. As a matter of fact, there's a lot for you in this tree. And that's why God has told you not to get close to it. So shaitan is promising. He's swearing. He's saying, Wallahi, if, if that's how he was swearing, um, swearing by Allah or swearing by something, that uh, he was doing qasam. The Quran says qasamahuma. Means, qasam means to swear. Swearing to Adam that this is this is actually good for you. So if you were to ask Adam in that moment, he probably would have said, you know, he might be telling the truth. Now some here have also explained that the reason why Adam was fooled was that he had never ever heard anyone swear but wrongfully and to lie with swearing. And so that's why he believed uh, shaitan. But all in all, in the end, if you were to ask him, if you were to dig deep into the heart and mind of Adam and ask him, hey, are you properly convinced that shaitan, what he's telling you, is going to actually happen? He probably would have said no, according to this at least. He wasn't 100% sure that shaitan is telling him the truth. Yeah, because it says, the, the, the imam here in the khutbah, he says, he traded his yaqeen, the conviction and certainty that he had from his Lord, he traded that for something that was just doubtful. He wasn't sure about, but he still took it. That, brothers and sisters, that says so much about us. As, as a human race, that's how we are. We let go of that which we are sure about for that which we are not sure about. We, we're always doing this. And usually, I want to say, the reason we do this is because we are living in the now. We don't want to wait for the uh, for things to take, take their gradual time and to yield the, the proper good results and everlasting results that they're supposed to. We're always in a rush. We always want to get quick results. That's what we're after. Unfortunately, we don't have that patience to get the right results. And usually those will take time.
And so we are 100% sure if we invest in something, our time, our money, whatever it is, our effort into something, even though we're 100% sure, let's say 10 years from now, it will yield those results and we will be happy. What we'll do is we'll go after something we're not sure about. We'll gamble our time away, gamble our money away, gamble. And when I say gamble, I don't mean gambling in the sense, in the specific sense of the term. I mean gambling meaning putting it into something that we're not sure will yield, yield results. But if it does yield results, it's going to be quick. That is enough for us yeah, to make those gambles in life. Yeah. And so this is one lesson that we take from this story right here. Ba'aliyakina bishakihi. Let alone when it comes to the Quran and the promises of the afterlife. If there's one thing we're going to be certain about as Muslims who follow the Quran, who accept the Quran, is that there is an afterlife. And whatever we invest in this life for the afterlife, we will yield exponential rewards for us. That the least is that we have such a yaqeen. The least is that we have such a conviction and certainty. But we're, we're, we get lazy in this life. We don't, not only do we not invest for our hereafter, we destroy our hereafter, God forbid. Okay? So here, that's at, that's the minimum, is that you trade something that's yaqini for something that is mashkuk, that is that is that is, is just doubtful. So Adam salam, he traded his yaqeen for shak as a result of getting fooled by Iblis or Shaytan. Second thing, وَالْعَزِيمَةَ بِوَهْنِهِ When he was there in that garden and he's living his life, he's living with resolve, with a firm resolve. He's doing things the way he's supposed to. But when he gets close to that tree, when he disobeys his Lord, and we'll talk, as I've said again and again, we'll talk about this disobedience uh, later. When he does that, what happens is that he's trading that strong resolve, that firm conviction and, and decision that he has for weakness. And that is also another lesson that we take. That look, in this life that we're in, we have to, especially when it comes to securing our akhirah, we have to be firm, we have to have that resolve and not get weak. And the Qur'an puts its finger on this. And this is like maybe one of the very, very few times the Quran speaks about a prophet like this. This is in Surah Taha, verse 115. It says, We kind of had a deal with Adam. There was a, an oath he made to us, but he forgot. And we did not find resolve in him. Wow. Okay, that is, uh, that is very... <laughs> That's a that's a painful thing to hear about yourself if you are a prophet. But the Quran points this out, and so us as the descendants of Adam, what we have to make sure is that we have azm in life. We have that strong resolve. It all comes with that. We can't be like, oh, teach me. I need to find a way that so that I I I become an obedient servant of Allah. To become an obedient obedient servant of Allah, it takes resolve. That's all it is. It's like these people who say, I want to lose weight. Show me a way to lose weight. You tell them, okay, well, you have to like, let's say, clean up your diet. You have to do some exercise. They're like, well, show me how to, uh, show me how I can be strong enough to not eat things that I'm not supposed to be eating. Show me how to be strong enough to go to the gym. What do you mean? What kind of question is that? You don't, you, if you, if it's that important for you, yeah, if it's that important and significant to you, you make a firm decision, you go to the gym. You make a firm decision to clean up your diet. That's just how it is. 
it things come down and boil down to making a firm decision. That's what it is. It's not something that you can teach anymore. Sometimes you can get motivation for that, but all in all, it comes down to your resolve and to your azm. The Quran here says, "Walam najid lahu azma." We didn't find a strong enough resolve in Adam. He made that mistake. That's pretty sad. Okay, so Shaytan fools Adam alayhi salam. And these are the lessons that he gets from this story. And you can tell that from here on, when Adam becomes very, very regretful, you can tell this is the lesson that he was supposed to learn from this whole story. Oh, wow, this is why he was brought to this garden and was put there with Iblis. We have to understand, if Allah just wanted... Adam to have a good time and to never leave that garden. He wouldn't have put Iblis or Shaytan there with him. Why does Allah put Shaytan there with him? He's supposed to learn something from all of this so that when he comes out of here, at least he's he's armed with this experience. Instead of Allah putting him straight on the earth where he has to do work for himself and to break sweat and bring bread to the table, as I said, without having any previous experience with Shaytan, yeah, if Allah does that, then there's a very good chance he's going to get defeated very easily. But if he comes with this experience, at least now, to the, to the, to the earth that he was supposed to come to anyway. But he comes with this experience, then he's going to, inshallah, pass the tests that come his way. We don't hear about Adam making any more mistakes like the one he did in the garden after he came to earth. You don't see that anymore. And inshallah, his, his descendants, which are us also, can learn from that. So it goes on. It says, okay, now that he was fooled, istabdala bil jadali wajalan wa bil nadaman. Now here it says iqtirari. Some versions say i'tizaz. So I'll get to that as well. Istabdala bil jadali wajalan. As a result of being fooled, he traded um, his happiness that he had and the pleasure that he had in that garden with fear. Now what kind of fear is this? This wajalan. What kind of fear is it? It can be fear of punishment. Fear of, oh my God, now what's going to happen to me now that I disobeyed my Lord? Anxiety of, oh my God, now I have to work hard and you know I was, I was told not to do this or else I'll regret it and I'll have to work hard, I'll be fatigued and all of that. Oh man, it's coming. You know, that anxiety. So he traded the pleasure and happiness for things like this. And so he was after honor. It was after gaining honor. But what happened as a result? But what, what did he trade it for? He traded it for regret. Honor for regret. That's if you read this as i'tizaz. But lots of the uh, maybe versions of Nahj al have said ightirar. Ightirar was used a little bit before this for being fooled. But here it can also mean something like along the lines of prestige and honor. Again, ghurur uh, can sometimes mean honor. Sometimes maybe. Um, others have who've taken it as ikhtirar here have translated it in a totally different way they've said that that this uh, f- being fooled by shaitan of his was then traded for re- uh, regret so him being fooled ch- turned into now regret that was the result of being fooled uh, it's not very important uh, in my opinion We can what we can understand here is that in the end all he was left with was fear and regret. Fear and wanting to go back and you know not do what he did. Okay? So it's all bad. That's what that's what that's the result of listening to Shaitan. That's the lesson we derive from this. 
that when you follow shaitan, it's all now you're all surrounded with doubt. You are, uh, you're weak. There's all weakness in you, and fear and anxiety and regret. That's all it is. That is the result of following shaitan, brothers and sisters. If we follow shaitan in the hereafter, that's all we're gonna get. That's all we're gonna get, and uh, we can't expect anything better than that. Now there is one good thing here about Adam salam versus Shaitan. Shaitan failed the test. Adam failed the test. But then, do you, when you fail a test and you're so upset about it, do you fail it a second time too or not? Well, Shaitan failed the second test. He could have probably repented, and Allah would have, you know, probably forgiven him right there when he didn't prostrate. And Shaitan could have made it up to Allah maybe by prostrating. But he didn't. But here now we have Adam. On the flip side, he made the first mistake of disobeying God. But then he didn't make the second mistake of not repenting. So right away, he asks for forgiveness. Oh Allah, forgive me. And so this is an important lesson as well that we take from this story. Brothers and sisters, this is very, very important. All those lessons we took plus this one. If you fail a test, don't fail the next one. We can't be perfectionists and be like, okay, I failed the test, so you know, might as well just let go completely. Adam didn't let go. He stuck to his Lord. He clung to his Lord and he asked for forgiveness and Allah forgave him. This is beautiful. It says then Allah offered to Adam the chance to Repent. I'm just reading off of the translation of Nahjah Balagha here. Taught him words of his mercy. Promised him return to his paradise. Okay. So these are the three things that it says now. As a result uh, of Adam salam asking for forgiveness. And turning back to his Lord. Doing tawbah. Uh, as I said, this is a huge lesson for us. Right away, it doesn't say Allah said, give me time to think about it or anything like that. Allah right away, it says, Basata lahu fi tawbatihi. He opened it up for him. He allowed him to do that. Allowed him to repent right away. Because listen, brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have to necessarily necessarily let us repent. That is an extra blessing from him. When we uh, sin, when we disobey God, God is so great that he doesn't have to accept our repentance, but he gives us that opportunity. That itself is something to thank Allah for. So uh, Adam repents. Allah accepts his repentance. And there are certain words that are said. The Quran also speaks about this, of course. فَتَلَقَّ آدَمُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ كَلِمَاتٍ فَتَابَ عَلَيْهِ إِنَّهُ هُوَ التَّوَابُ الرَّحِيمُ That there were certain words that Adam took, got from his Lord, took from his Lord, and as a result of that, فَتَابَ عَلَيْهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave him and allowed him to return to him. And verily, Allah is the the one who uh, is the all clement, the all merciful, at-tawabur rahim, the one who accepts tawbah. So now that Adam salam has learned this lesson, has become familiar with how shaitan is, and what shaitan has in store for him, and what good or lack thereof shaitan can bring for him. Now that this lesson was learned, Adam is ready now to be sent down to the dunya, the earth, 
I don't want to say the dunya, let's say the earth. Or sent to a more, a less convenient place to live on earth. So it says, وَأَهْبَطَهُ إِلَىٰ دَارِ الْبَلِيَّةِ وَتَنَاسُلِ الذُرِّيَّةِ So Adam was sent down to a place of trial. So this earth is a place of trial. We have to understand right from the get-go that we're not here necessarily to never experience any hardship. No, the, the, the world, the material world, brothers and sisters, is going to be one in which there is clash, one in which there is need, one in which there is deficiency, and so on. Yes, we try our best to live comfortable lives, but at the end of the day, we get sick, we get ill, we have needs, we get hungry, we get thirsty, etc. Okay, so it's Darul Baliya one. And it is also a place of tanasul procreation of progeny. Allah wants these descendants of Adam to be created and for everyone to get this opportunity because of Allah's overflowing grace that He wants everyone to get a chance, to have that chance of perfection, for them to be created, to come into this dunya so that they try their best. Uh, to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they will appreciate their creation once they see the rewards of their obedience to Allah on the day of judgment onwards inshallah so he was in that place of convenience he, he is brought now to a place of hardship and a place where they have to procreate okay so that's the story of Adam and his quote unquote failure so shaitan failed Adam failed shaitan failed the second one Adam passed the second test. He is now equipped with this experience. He comes down to the earth to live a normal life just like all of us. So now we have to address the points that I kept bringing up in uh, the session today. And one of those points, the first of them is, okay, this garden, this paradise. The Quran says Jannah. But it says Al-Jannah, the garden, the paradise. There was a, Apparently there was a specific place that Adam was in. Is this the Jannah that we will inshallah go to after we die and leave this dunya? Or is it something else? Different reasons have been um, given for why no, this was not the Jannah of the hereafter. Okay, And there are, I would say, a good number of reasons. I'm not going to mention all of them. I have in front of me three or four reasons of why um, this Jannah that Adam السلام, was in is not the Jannah of the hereafter. Um, and I'm reading off of one of the commentaries of Nahjul Balagha right now. It says that, um, number one, the Jannah of the hereafter is an eternal blessing in which a person will, will stay in forever and can never leave for whatever reason. Okay, And so, if we see that Adam eventually, for whatever reason, had to leave this garden or paradise that he was in, it shows that this is not the garden and paradise of the hereafter. Yes, we do have literature that tells us that in the hereafter, if you end up in Jahannam, there's a chance that after you're cleansed, you can end up in Jannah. But we don't have the, the vice versa of that, where if you go to Jannah, there's a chance that eventually you get kicked out of it. No, you can never leave that Jannah and so the fact that Adam was had to leave shows that this is not the Jannah of the hereafter. Number one reason that they usually present for why this is not the hereafter is Jannah. Number two reason, shaitan 
with all of the bad and evil and filth of his after he failed the test of God and didn't prostrate to Adam, how is he going to be in the Jannah of the hereafter? The Jannah of the hereafter is haram, so to speak, on the wretched ones, on the evil ones. Yeah, we have a verse in the Quran that says that um, on the day of the uh, day of judgment onwards, like, even water is haram on the disbelievers, those who are ending up in Jahannam. Yeah, they would they'll wish that they had water. They 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 can't have it. In Surah Al-A'raf, verse fifty, it says, "Wanada ashabu nari ashab al-jannati an afidu alayna min al-ma' aw mimma razaqakum Allah." Qalu inna Allah haramahuma ala al-kafirin. The inmates of the fire will call out to the inhabitants of paradise, Pour on us some water. Give us some water. Or something of what Allah has provided you. Some of the rizq that Allah has given you, they will say Allah has indeed forbidden these two to the faithless. Okay, so this Jannah, even the, even the, even the smallest things you would think, like the water in Jannah. Okay, of course that water is probably going to be the best. But all in all, that is even forbidden and off-limits to the wretched. Now, we're talking about the wretched of the wretched, the most wretched of the wretched, shaitan, alayhi la'na. He is in the jannah of the hereafter, doesn't make sense. And so they've said that that also shows that this wasn't the jannah of the hereafter. Now, some might say, well, shaitan didn't enter that jannah. He was whispering to Adam from outside of, the, of that jannah. Um, and so the answer that they've given for that is a good one. They say, look, the Quran says in Surah 30 and Ayah 36 of Surah Baqarah, it says, We told all of them, Shaytan, Adam, his wife, we told all of them to leave that place. It shows that they were all in that place. Not that Shaytan was outside, you know, telling what uh, what telling Adam what to do from uh, when he's inside, you know. So anyway, that's a, I think that's a good enough answer to that. Um, and finally, the, the ahadith that we have have also pointed this out, that this wasn't the Jannah of the hereafter, rather it was a garden, it was a plush garden um, in which everything was, was good in and everything was set in there for Adam. It says that Imam al-Sadiq in this hadith, Jannatun min jinanid dunya, that this was one of those gardens of the gardens of the dunya. The sun, the moon, they would shine on this place that they were in. In other words, it's on this earth. If it was one of those eternal gardens of paradise of the hereafter, then they would have never exited it. Adam would have never exited it ever. And so the fact that he has exited that Jannah shows that it's not the Jannah of the hereafter. That's one point, the garden. Of course, there's a lot of details here that I'm skipping. I just want to keep it concise, but I think that should be enough uh, for that point. Another point that comes up is, okay, wait, we're talking about prophets here. We're talking about infallible beings disobeying God. Is that even possible for Adam to disobey God? Now, this one is a very controversial one. There are a lot of different viewpoints and opinions in this regard. I'm going to say two or three things here. Number one, there are some, not from mainstream Shia school, but from maybe other schools of thought that uh, might say that, yeah, Adam disobeyed his Lord, straight up. Allah made it haram for him to get close to that fruit, but he got close to it. Well, not that tree, I don't want to say fruit. To that tree, 
And so he did, but he did get close to it. Okay. So that is one viewpoint here. If that's the case, then we don't believe that prophets are infallible when it comes to disobeying or obeying God. We'll believe that prophets are obedient, uh, are infallible to God, or excuse me, are infallible when it comes to receiving revelation. They won't make a mistake there. They won't make a mistake in transmitting this uh, revelation and what they've learned from God to the people. But other than that, they're like everybody else. Yeah, they'll have a stronger faith, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to sin necessarily. That is one viewpoint. As I said, this is not mainstream Shi'i viewpoint on the prophets. But there's other viewpoints now that the Shia might have. And uh, I personally, I'm inclined towards one of them, and I'll share that with you as well. That some have said that, yeah, it was a... It was it was a, it was a command by God, but it was a makruh command. It was God was saying it's makruh for you to get close to this uh, tree, but because he was a prophet, prophets even the smallest makruh they should stay away from, and so the fact that he did a makruh got him in trouble anyway. That's another viewpoint here, and some might have that one. But then there's the third viewpoint that personally I'm inclined towards as well that this wasn't a as they say in Arabic, it's not a. It wasn't a Maulawi command. It wasn't a command that was binding on Adam in the sense that it's something. If if you disobey God, this deserves punishment. It's not. It wasn't that. Um, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala was telling Adam that it's haram on you, or even makruh on you, to get close to this tree. But rather, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala was just letting Adam know that look. There is something in this tree. I'm just letting you know that if you get if you get close to it, it's going to get you in trouble. You're going to lose something that you're enjoying right now. Okay, it was more of the types of commands that we have, even with Ahlul Bayt alayhimussalam, when they're telling a person, "Hey, you're sick right now. I think you should have some meat, some grilled meat." Okay, we have hadith for this. We have stories for this. Where the imam tells somebody who's like is feeling weak, the imam tells him to have some meat so that he gets better, to make himself, uh, to take care of himself and nourish himself more with some grilled meat. Okay. Now, question: If this person doesn't go and have that meat, or doesn't, or has meat but doesn't grill it, does that mean that they've committed haram? No. The imam is letting them know with his knowledge that there's some good in this in, in this meat for this person right now in these circumstances. Okay, and so just like that, Allah here is just letting Adam know: Look, you're in this garden, you're having a good time. I would like you to have this good time for as long as you would as you can. But just letting you know that if you get close to this tree, don't get close to this tree because this is going to get you out of here. This is going to get you in trouble. Fatashqa, you'll be miserable after this. You'll have to work hard after this. You'll get tired after this. So Allah let him know this. Yeah, the only thing is that Shaitan came and fooled him. And said, no, 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 there's some good in this for you. God is trying to keep you away from that. This is shajaratul khuld. If you get close to this tree, then you are going to become an eternal being. God doesn't want that for you. All right. But God had told him that, no, as a matter of fact, this is what's going to get you in trouble. I'm just letting you know there's some trouble here for you. It's like an imam telling me, hey, if you turn that corner, okay, there's a, there's a ditch you might fall in. Okay. And so... I still take that turn and I fall into the ditch. The imam was letting me know of something there that I'm going to regret if I don't stay away from it. Here also Allah is letting him know that uh, 
there's a that there's there's a danger there for him. There's something in there that he'll regret if he gets close to it. But he didn't take that advice. And uh, I don't I'm I'm trying my best to not get very technical here. Yeah, but as I said, this is an irsha this is not a maulawi command, it's an irshadi command this opinion holds. And personally, I'm also inclined towards this. And there are other explanations of why it's a it's a irshadi command, not a maulawi command, as they say. I don't want to get into that. These technicalities are there. As I said, we want to keep things um, concise. And finally, one more question here is that uh, these words that Prophet Adam, he learned or he received from his Lord, he received from his Lord and he used for repentance, let's say. What were those words exactly? Some have said, that it's what we have in Surah Araf verse 23, that the dua there that is um, that Adam alayhi salam is quoted to have said, Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lana kunanna min al-khasirin. Oh Allah, we have wronged ourselves, me and my wife. And if you do not forgive us and have mercy on us, we will be of the ones who are in loss. Some have said that's what is meant. And it kind of makes sense as well. Some have said, no, it's uh, these words that we have, and this is also a dhikr al-yunisi, as they call it, when Prophet Yunus was stuck in the belly of the whale. He said these words, and so in reality, Adam was the first one to utter these words. La ilaha illa anta subhanak, that uh, famous dhikr. But of course, the version here we have is a little different. The hadith tells us, La ilaha illa anta subhanak wa bihamdik. Very similar to a dhikr al-yunisi. Dhikr al-yunisi, what Prophet Yunus the Qur'an says, he said is, لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين. There is no Lord but you. Immaculate are thee. Indeed, I was of the wrongdoers. I wronged myself. Here, it says in this hadith, it says that they uttered similar words to what Yunus salam uttered. La ilaha illa ant, there is no Lord but you, there is no God but you, subhanak, immaculate are you. Wa bihamdik, and I praise you, I am, I am praising you. Amiltu su'an, I did wrong. Dhalamtu nafsi, I wronged myself, I oppressed myself, faghfirli. So forgive me, why? Because you are, for you are the greatest of forgivers. Innaka khayrul ghafirin. Some have said these are the words that were uttered. These are the words that they received from Allah. Allah said, say these to me, and they did, and so they were forgiven. But we also have hadiths, and they're not very small in number, according to our scholars. Um, uh, they say that most of the hadiths that we read in this regard are talking about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered Adam alayhi salam to ask for the intercession of the five highest beings of creation which are Ashabul Kisa, the Holy Prophet Imam Ali السلام, Lady Fatima Al-Hasan and Al-Husayn that Allah said ask me for forgiveness through them put them between me and you say that uh, ask me by the right of Muhammad and Al-Muhammad and so we have in one of these hadiths by the Holy Prophet he said سَأَلَهُ بِحَقِّ مُحَمَدٍ وَعَلِيٍّ وَفَاطِمَةٍ وَالْحَسَنِ وَالْحُسَيْنِ that Adam السلام, asked by the right of and for the sake of Muhammad and Ali and Fatima and Hassan and Hussein alayhim as-salatu was-salam. 
He said, Oh Allah, for this for the sake of them, forgive me. By the right of them, forgive me. And so Allah forgave. Now, which one of these was it? We we went through three things here. Which one of these three of these words was it that they uttered? Well, some scholars have pointed out these are not mutually exclusive, and there are other hadiths too that we have. Um that these are not mutually exclusive. Maybe it was all of these. Maybe they asked Allah with the words of, for example, Rabbana Dalamna and Fusana Thakfirlana. So forgive us, O Allah. And they asked for that through these words, and they said for the sake of Muhammad and Ali Muhammad. Yeah, so these aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. Okay, so these this is the a story of Adam and his failure. So in the previous segment, we went through the failure of, of Shaytan. Now we went through the failure of Adam, but then the ensuing, let's call it success of Adam, of repentance. But at the end of the day, now we are all here on this earth. And if the purpose of us being here is to slowly grow through the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah is going to have to send messengers on his behalf to speak on Allah's behalf to us and teach us what we need to do to gain the satisfaction of Allah to be obedient servants of Allah so that we can secure our hereafters and that's where the need for prophets comes into the picture and the next segment of the khutbah dives right into that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then brought prophets from the descendants of Adam from the progeny of Adam so that they can guide the masses towards their final destination, which is Allah and His satisfaction and the hereafter and Jannah, inshaAllah ta'ala. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.